For reading of Holy Scripture, we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Homogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus thou knowest very well. We read that far in God's Word, and consider this morning, the last part of verse 4 and 5, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. 
mothers of Trinity Protestant Reformed Church, how would you be honored today? And by whom would you like to be honored today? For most mothers today, if they are to be honored, they want to be honored simply for the work of being a mother, for bearing children, and for caring and nurturing and raising those children, often with great dedication. And yet, many of those same mothers who would desire to be so honored are unworthy of that honor. They are unworthy because they have abandoned their husbands and given to their children other fathers. They are unworthy because they have aborted their children or they have neglected their children, or they give their children over to the care of surrogates so that they may take up their own career and selfish pursuit of money and self-fulfillment. They are unworthy because they really do not love their children or care for their children, or if they do, it's only insofar as those children might love them in return or even first. If such mothers are honored for their work and their labor, then also they would not want to be honored for those things which Scripture honors mothers for. They reject the notion of Scripture that honors mothers by reminding them that they are saved in childbearing, that their work is in the home. They are called to be keepers of the home. The work that honors them for especially their care and nurture of the spiritual needs of their children, that which nurtures their faith and love in Jesus Christ, they would not want to be honored for that. To answer this question this morning, mothers of Trinity Protestant Reformed Church, we must remember, first and foremost, whose day this is. And this is not Mother's Day. Contrary to the claim, and contrary to what you might think about this day, this is not Mother's Day. This is the Lord's Day. This is the day that He hath made. This is the day that He has set aside. Not that the Lord would have us dishonor mothers on this day, or even use this day for the honoring of mothers. For this Lord of this day himself honors godly mothers and would have it done even on this day. 
But the answer to the question of how mothers and mothers in this church would be honored and by whom is answered fundamentally by remembering whose day this is. In other words, a mother in the church, a mother in this church, cannot and will not be honored apart from honoring Jesus Christ. And there will be no honoring of mothers without Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because the chief and primary honor of mothers in the church has to do with their relationship to Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus Christ who establishes that relationship. In other words, it is Christ alone who gives us mothers worthy of any honor. Number two, the primary honor of all godly mothers comes not from children and husbands, but from God Himself. A husband may despise a godly mother, and children reject and disobey a godly mother. But if God honors that mother, she is honored indeed. But even more so, exactly because of her relationship to Jesus Christ as a mother in Christ, often and usually she will have a husband and children who honor her. And honor her for that very thing for which she should be honored. That thing that is set before us in the text this morning, being honored for having unfeigned faith. That's what the Apostle brings to our mind this morning in this Word of God when he brings to remembrance the unfeigned faith not only that is in Timothy, but that was in his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Consider with me this morning, mothers of unfeigned faith. And we notice in the first place their honor, secondly their motherhood, and finally their blessedness. The honor of mothers... And the honor of mothers for their unfeigned faith begins with remembering that. True honor begins with remembrance. I am filled with joy when I call to remembrance. And that remembering is the basis for the honor that he shows here in the Holy Scriptures. Remembering is one of the most important ways and most fundamental ways to honor someone. To remember is to bring consciously before one's mind memories that are stored often unconsciously within the mind. There is something about certain deeds, certain actions, certain behaviors, certain things and qualities about an event or an individual that exactly because of what they are They were notable and stored away in the mind, often even unconsciously. There they are in our mind. 
and they may not be before our immediate mind, which is occupied with this and with that. And then there is a time, there is a place, there is a circumstance when someone reaches into those memories with their mind and searches around and brings them consciously before their understanding, then considers them, looks at them, examines them. That's what remembering is. Now you understand, remembering all by itself is not unique to a Christian. That mothers of the world who would be honored, and indeed are honored in a certain sense by their husbands and children and others, that all begins with remembering also. But the sad thing is that what is also brought to mind and what may even dominate is remembering of much evil. Perhaps that this mother whom they honor isn't really their real mother. They have another mother, and she has abandoned them. Or may remember only that their mother, who gave them good gifts and gave them many things, actually lived quite selfishly in her life, not really caring for them. There are many children today who might honor in a certain way their mothers, but when they remember, what they remember is that their mother did not love them. Perhaps may have told them they love them, but that child knows, knows even fundamentally that that mother really only loved herself. The thing that's remarkable in this text is that this remembering and therefore the honoring is something that's done by God. Mothers are remembered by godly husbands and by godly children. That, no doubt, is part of the teaching of the text. That Paul by connecting Lois and Eunice to the Apostle, was showing that there's a connection. That Timothy himself could remember certain things about his mother, and his mother could remember certain things about her mother and his grandmother. And that is honoring, and that is important to any godly mother, as we're going to see. That's something she desires. It's something that is encouraging. It is something that is helpful and blessed even for her. But first and foremost, a godly mother who is honored, a mother of unfeigned faith, must remember that she is honored or remembered by God. That's the real importance that these women are found here on the pages of Holy Scripture. The real significance here is not that the Apostle writes them down and records them, that he remembers, or even that Timothy remembers. It is God who remembers them. And God remembers them by inscribing into Holy Scripture, infallible Scripture, for all the age of the New Testament to remember and consider the mention of these two women 
and their faith. And that's especially significant because the thing for which they are remembered is the gift of God. Perhaps we look at it that way and we conclude something entirely different. You see, they are remembered for their unfeigned faith. That's why they are remembered and therefore honored here in Holy Scripture. But faith is the gift of God. The Apostle even makes that clear in this very passage where he refers to faith and even the growth in their faith as a gift, a gift given by God, even in a certain respect talks to that faith with regard to his office as a gift imparted by the apostle through the laying on of hands, a complete and entire gift of God, without which gift there would be no faith or unfeigned faith in Lois or Eunice or Timothy or any godly mother. And therefore we might conclude, well then, why honor them? Would it not be wrong to honor a mother or a son for something that they did not obtain themselves, for something that they have that is given to them. And that would be wrong, because it's God Himself who honors them. And if God honors them, then we may honor them. And that is a remarkable thing to remember about our salvation That is a remarkable thing even to consider about God Himself. To be sure, every blessing that we have, every blessing of salvation, the experience of salvation, salvation itself, all of it is a gift of God. It is not obtained by our works. It's not worked by us, lest we should boast. Nevertheless, The amazing thing about God's grace is He blesses that very thing that He gives. He honors it as His own gift. Now indeed, it would be dishonorable. It would be dishonorable to God and therefore even to a mother if one would honor her for her faith and remember her faith as if it were her work something she produced, that even her believing and knowing and understanding and trusting which faith is, is something that she produced in and of herself, that is inherent or part of her nature, that would be dishonorable. Nevertheless, it is honorable to remember the unfeigned faith of godly mothers. That's what's being done here. Now there are other things for which to honor mothers. That we must acknowledge also. Now there are mothers who want to be honored for everything else under the sun. But when we go to Scripture, we will find there are other things for which mothers are honored. Indeed, 
we read the sixth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. And if you look at the explanation of that commandment in the Heidelberg Catechism, you will discover that mothers are honored just as much as fathers. And furthermore, not simply honored for the work they do. Now there is something to that. If you look at that Lord's Day, that Lord's Day talks about children bearing with the weaknesses and infirmities of the parents. In other words, mothers are honored by their children and also by their husbands when they bear patiently with their weakness and infirmities. In other words, in spite of unfeigned faith. And even though they are children of God, and it's evident to all, including the children, there are weaknesses and infirmities. There are sins, and there are weaknesses that lead to sin or can produce sin. And part of honoring a mother is recognizing that. We don't honor our mothers as perfect mothers, nor should any mother consider herself dishonorable simply because there are weaknesses and failures. We learn in that Lord's Day that mothers are honored also simply by children acknowledging the authority that is given by God to a mother. Children dishonor their mother when they imagine to themselves that this mother is their equal, or perhaps that this mother has less authority from God than the father does, or perhaps the father has all the authority and mother none. A mother is dishonored when the children work father against mother and mother against father, when one will not receive the commandments and the instruction of a mother as from God Himself. Now, a mother is chiefly honored by her children when they respect her for her very position as a mother. And mothers ought to be honored today by remembering that you hold an office. That's an office. It's not simply a position. It's not simply a job. It is an office given by God. Mothers are indeed honored in all the work they do. Scripture does that. Read Proverbs 31 about the virtuous woman and notice her virtues. She has virtues, qualities, And with those virtues and qualities, she labors, she works, she gives herself for the care and the nurture of her husband and her children. And mothers are honored for that. Over and over in Scripture, mothers are honored for that. It is not a mistake. It is significant when Scripture often repeats or tells us, who an individual's mother was. 
whether that individual be a good person or a bad person, a person of unbelief or a person of faith, how often does Scripture not tell us who that individual's mother was? Partly to explain the behavior, partly to explain the reason why an individual lived the way they did, but also it honors those mothers, especially those mothers of unfeigned faith, you see. But the important thing for us to remember is this is chief. This is mentioned by the apostle because without unfeigned faith, all the other things either cannot exist or be, or they're all vanity. In other words, a mother who would nurture her children and imagine that she loves her children and cares for children, but does not do so by unfeigned faith, does not really love and care for her children. A mother cannot rightly bring up her children or care for the greatest need of those children, which is spiritual, not physical, without faith. And it is faith alone which explains why it is that a husband and children can bear patiently with the weaknesses and infirmities of a mother. You see, unfeigned faith is cheap. That's the most important. Now, that faith itself, you know what it is. Faith is a bond. Faith is the bond that unites that mother to Jesus Christ. That gift is given by God when God, by His Spirit, gives a mother His own Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that Spirit now uniting that mother to Jesus Christ in such a way that she now is righteous and holy before Him. And through Him, or by Him and through that faith, she receives every blessing of salvation in Jesus Christ. And that faith is a living thing. And that faith is an active thing within that mother. So that mother, by consequence of that bond, that union to Jesus Christ, knows, she knows something. And what she knows with absolute certainty is that everything taught in the Bible is the Word of God. Not simply that it's true, but it's the Word of God. And that that Word applies to herself. And number two, by that faith, a mother is assured and absolutely confident that Jesus is her Savior. That the promises of Scripture are for her personally. She believes that her sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. And she believes that the Spirit of Christ is at work in her, has raised her from the dead, 
so that she is a new creation. And she believes that she is called to give her heart and soul in love to Jesus Christ. That is what is the most honorable thing and really the only honorable thing in a mother. It is what makes a mother honorable. But now know especially that in this text there is a particular character of faith that is honored, which is that it is unfeigned. Unfeigned faith. Now what the apostle means there is unhypocritical. That's literally what you read. It is faith not hypocritical. That's literally what the apostle says. Now he adds that because faith can be faked. Faith can be feigned. There is such a faith as a not true faith, not real faith. The apostle brings this up because, you see, true and living faith is essentially an inward bond, a spiritual bond. You cannot see it. You cannot touch it as such. It simply is. It's a thing. It's there. But exactly because it's living, it comes to expression. It's demonstrable. It can be seen. It can be visible. It can be proven. And thereby one knows the difference between feigned and unfeigned, hypocritical and not hypocritical. And that's why someone can fake it. You cannot really fake faith itself as such. It either is or it isn't. It's either there or it's not. But there are mothers who have not faith, who pretend that they do, who act like they do. And they know they're doing this. You see, unfeigned faith isn't faith that falters. It's not a person who has faith who is without weaknesses and infirmities. It's not a woman who is without sin. But it's one who in those weaknesses and infirmities and in their sin does not believe in Jesus Christ. Does not give herself to Him entirely. Is not sorry for sin. But fakes it. In the original that word literally means to act like an actor. It's the word used for the actor in a play or a movie. A mother who lives her life pretending she has what she does not have. And does that for her own reasons. Does that for her own purposes. She does that because she will not give herself to Jesus. She will not give herself for her children. She does not want what Scripture honors or what Scripture demands of her. What the Apostle honors is unfeigned faith. That is, faith that is obvious. Faith that is obvious to the Apostle himself. Faith whereby the Apostle could look at these two women and say, they have faith, and they have true faith. They have faith that is non-hypocritical. It is faith that we know is real. So much so that the Apostle could say, I trust that it's in you too, Timothy. Now how could he know that? 
How could he see what is not itself seen? What is essentially a spiritual union? And the answer is in their life. That's how you know unfeigned faith. And that's why sometimes feigned faith isn't always readily apparent at all times. What especially the Apostle saw in these two women and that he brings to our attention is the way they conducted themselves as mothers. It was found in their motherhood, and it was especially found in their relationship to their children. And brought to mind here is First Timothy and then Eunice. The apostle, in other words, knew their faith was unfeigned by how they raised and lived with their children. Now, do not misunderstand the apostle. In fact, there's a point of emphasis to be made here. What the apostle honors in these two women is a reminder that women themselves are honored and honorable creatures and honorable before God and honored in the church, whether they're married or unmarried. And whether in marriage they have children or do not have children. One of the great points that's made in Scripture and here is there is evidence of faith with regard to children, and especially with regard to children, since we're talking with mother about mothers. But make no mistake. What's honorable, what is to be noted, what is to be especially remembered in the church is faith. Faith unfeigned. Therefore, if one is married and has no children, they are still honorable for having unfeigned faith. It's just that that unfeigned faith now will be more related to perhaps a husband or even more importantly, with regard to the rest of the church. That's often how it's evidenced then. Or perhaps a woman who never marries. She too may show great unfeigned faith that is honorable exactly by the way she conducts herself as a single individual in sexual purity in how she regards her situation and condition. Our focus here is upon the reality that these are mothers. They are not honored because simply they are mothers, but there is where their unfeigned faith is evident. There were three particular facts that made this evident. The first we're told in 2 Timothy 3.16. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we read that Timothy, from a child, knew the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then you know the wonderful text about Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. But notice how it's introduced. You knew these scriptures, Timothy, from a child. And the obvious conclusion is, 
He knew them because he was taught them. He was taught them by his mother Lois, his mother Eunice, who was taught these things by her mother Lois. That's how Timothy, that's how Paul knew they had unfeigned faith. Unfeigned faith regularly, tirelessly gives oneself to teaching one's children the Holy Scriptures and teaching those children what the Scriptures are. The very Word of God. Inspired. Profitable. Not unprofitable, but profitable for doctrine, for reproof. for He learned that from his mother. Who learned that from her mother. That first of all. Even mine now. This is evidence of unfeigned faith. The evidence of unfeigned faith is that we teach our children... Their ABCs and their mathematics and their science, all important in of themselves, but not faith. It isn't simply that we teach them a lot of things that they need to know, or really even that there's a God and some religious things. Notice that what they taught was the very content of faith, the knowledge that all of Scripture is the Word of God. Number two, They taught Timothy, and thus mothers of unfeigned faith, teach their children to trust in God. That, again, is what faith is. Faith trusts in God for all of salvation, for all good. One trusts God to do them good, even when they are under the hand of evil and trouble that they know God has brought them. That's faith again. That's the evidence of unfeigned faith in mothers. When they teach their children the primary thing that should be in their heart has to do with their relationship to God and then to the neighbor. But the primary thing is that they trust God to forgive their sins. And they teach them that. When a child does something wrong, a mother is concerned not simply to teach the child that they did something wrong, And certainly not simply to teach the child that it's wrong because they say so, but it's wrong because God said so. And that therefore that behavior is sin. And to teach that child what God thinks of sin. And then to show that child how God forgives sins and where to go for the forgiveness of sins. It is manifest in teaching that child to live a new and godly life before God and especially a life of love. And love, not as the world counts love and considers love, but love as self-sacrifice, the sacrificing of one's self for the good of another. You see that in Timothy too. There was a reason why Timothy was willing to take up the ministry, even though he saw Paul presently in prison. The very rigors of the ministry, the very shame attached to that office, the very things that the apostle endured were not deterrents to becoming a minister of the Holy Gospel, but were things he was willing to take up because he loved his Lord and Savior. And he learned that love from his mother and grandmother who were living their life without any mention of a husband. We don't know about their husbands. Perhaps their husbands were alive 
and ungodly unbelievers. But there they were, raising their children and the fear of God, to trust God for the forgiveness of sins and the hope of everlasting life. Tax should not be conceived as a promise that all mothers of unfeigned faith will have children of unfeigned faith. That's not the promise here. Scripture also makes that clear. A mother of unfeigned faith will know the Scriptures that there were born of godly mothers of unfeigned faith, Esau's, as well as Jacob's. But it is the promise that God uses the rearing of a godly mother and the faith of a godly mother to instill and nurture the faith of their children. Not all, but some and even many. That itself is an amazing thing. And it's the promise that a mother of unfeigned faith will see that as her primary and chief goal. It's why the most grievous thing for a mother of unfeigned faith is when her children do not walk in the Lord, when they reject the faith, when they live ungodly and unthankful lives. Yes, mothers can be dishonored many other ways. And perhaps you think that you can honor your mother and live however you please, but please note, children and husbands, for a mother of unfeigned faith, her greatest joy and the thing that she desires above all else is not that you become rich, that you shower her with gifts and flowers, that you show her a proper respect, but that you believe in God with all your heart and you love Him and care for Him and desire Him. And please know that when you do not, you will cut your mother to the heart deeper than anything else. There's more to consider than yourself, isn't there? When considering life and when considering good and evil, how grievous to a mother of unfeigned faith is an unbelieving and wicked and unthankful child. On the other hand, too, there is a blessedness of mothers of unfeigned faith. That's brought out in the passage, and it should be noted this morning because there are many griefs associated with having unfeigned faith. It may be that a mother of unfeigned faith has to live her days out with a child who does not love her, not truly might want to continue to have her love and have her do the laundry and have her care for her and have her money and inheritance, but she knows otherwise and has to live in that. There's griefs, there's sorrows, there's pains associated with raising children in the fear of the Lord. It's much, 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 much more difficult than doing laundry and cooking meals, and making lunches, and shuttling kids around here and there. It's much more 
than tearing, caring for sick children in the middle of the night and labor pains and all these things. All those things mothers are worthy of honor for. But you see, it's exactly because of those things that we don't simply honor a mother for carrying them out and doing them. We honor mothers for their unfeigned faith because therein lies their blessedness. Their blessedness is that they are indeed honored by God and often and usually by godly children and a very loving husband. That is their blessedness. There is blessedness in that. There is reward to the labor. God sees to it. And God often, therefore, often has the children recognize it. That is their unfeigned faith. That is the gift of God that God gives them. If they have unfeigned faith, it will show itself in the honoring of their mother. And you ask any mother of unfeigned faith what her real blessedness is. And it's that. It's that she may look forward not only to having her children who often sin against her and may call her names and disrespect her, be sorrowful for those sins and find forgiveness in Jesus Christ, but tell their mother that. And then live as they're called to live with their mother. That's real blessedness, you see. It's to live in the church with the prospect that I shall live in eternity with those children God was pleased to give me. That I get to enjoy them not simply for a few years here on earth and in a few earthly ways, but to enjoy their presence in the presence of Jesus Christ forever and ever. That's blessedness. But even more than that, because that may not happen. It may be that a mother of unfeigned faith has the most wicked and ungodly husband that you can imagine. A husband who takes every advantage of her and any words of honor that come out of his mouth she knows he doesn't mean. And may have children that all walk away from the church and consider her worthless, consider her deluded, consider her lost. And then she's still blessed because God considers her blessed. Because God considers that very gift that he gave her, God considers that faith and reckons it righteousness though she herself may be filled with sin and may be filled with weakness and infirmities. Maybe she herself, she acknowledges, contributed to the unbelief and wickedness of her children because she was so imperfect. Nevertheless, God honors her. And that's the greatest blessedness of all. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and Father in heaven, give unto us mothers of unfeigned faith. Without mothers of unfeigned faith, we have no church. There is no continuing 
of the line of generations, there is no faith in the church. Give us mothers of unfeigned faith to raise our children and to marry. Give us mothers of unfeigned faith who love Thee with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, who trust in Thee for all of salvation. And bless them, O Lord. We are thankful for them, thankful for their labor, but we give Thee the thanks because we know that this was all done in and through Thee, the Almighty God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.